Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with me, Bobby, and as always, my brother, Jamie. Good evening, Jamie. Thank you, Bob. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago that we were sat doing this. I mean, it's only been a matter of weeks, but it, it does feel like a lifetime in, in the pod world. Yeah, it has been a weirdly long time, hasn't it? I was uh, I was a little ill for a while and then we had some technical difficulties and so we had a few different dates uh, planned out. I feel like we've been sitting on this episode for, for weeks. It's weird. I feel like this, I, I know this episode better than any other now. Because I've, I've been, I've read these notes through to myself. I think about six times in various preparations to record. No excuses, then. It should be a great episode. How long has it actually been? Has it actually been two and a half weeks or something like that? I think it's been three almost. It might have even been three. And is that the longest we've gone without recording since we started? Probably. And talking of uh, lengths of time passing, it is actually a an auspicious day today. As uh, today, as we record, it is exactly one year since we released our very first episodes out into the world. Now, uh, we are, as always, a little bit late and weren't paying attention. So when this is actually released, it'll be a a week late for that anniversary. And of course, we recorded our first episode, I think, what, maybe a year before that? Maybe two? But it took us a while to actually... I I think the very first episode we recorded was at least a year before we actually release anything. It took us a year and a half, maybe two, I think, to record three or four episodes. And then we got into it. We've been on it, I think. We've been pretty damn consistent. Very proud of ourselves. Basically ruled our lives for the last year. (laughs) Absolutely. So we are one year down. This is our 55th episode. And uh, yeah... Long may it continue, what, or, or rather not so long. We are probably two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through now. We are, on, I guess, on the final stretch almost. Yeah, I, I'm not willing to really think about the the end, as it were, but certainly enjoying it more and more. A couple of weeks ago, I did go back and listen to some of the early episodes, and oh, really? I, think, I think it's fair to say that the production was not quite to the same standard that it was. It, it is true of most podcasts, and it's fine, and I feel like it's an unspoken sort of thing, but uh, yeah, they're, they're a little bit harder to listen to than uh, the more recent ones, so if you're listening to this for the first time, Start at series two, and you'll be good. I'd say start at series sort of five. Learn, learn to like <laughs> us first before before you go back and listen to those slightly more difficult episodes. Start last week, and you'll be fine. <laughs> so as we're a year down the line, a lot of things have changed in the last year from sort of our perspective, and one of them is just things like downloads and listeners and engagement, and we are massively chuffed and quite humbled by the number of people who have started to get in contact with us send us messages on facebook and email and obviously we love the interaction and we really enjoy sharing it with you and hearing some of your thoughts so thanks to those who have already written us we really appreciate it um but we want to encourage more if you wanted to drop us a message or got any questions or any sort of good things that you want to chat to us about do feel free to write in and and get in touch which leads me into one shout-out that we definitely need to do. So I feel like there's lots of people we could give uh, little shout-outs to. I think the first one has to be uh, our friend Tom over at the One Foot in the Podcast podcast. 
thought we uh, he deserves a little shout out he's uh, given us many messages back and forth over over the months and uh, has been incredibly supportive and also the uh, number one rerun podcast uh, got in touch uh, via twitter recently and were dropping some nice little snippets of uh, trivia for us which uh, i really enjoyed we'd uh, we'd spoken at length about uh, if Ra- if it was known if raquel was coming back during jolly boys uh, or whether this was a big surprise, whether it was in the Radio Times or whatever. And uh, they have been able to enlighten us by pointing out that uh, actually no one knew she was coming back. It wasn't mentioned. And in fact, due to the lack of reruns, that uh, some people couldn't even remember who she was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that very much. Yeah, I think we definitely need to encourage that sort of part. There's there's a few things that we can only speculate to because of our sort of proximity to the time. And rather than just have our mother tell us what we had right and wrong, we'd love to hear hear that from the wider audience as well. So if you were there, and you know something that we don't, um, you don't just don't just tell us that we're wrong, but you know nicely, sort of offer some <laughs> insight, some, uh, some insight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally, this was our first kind of proper request shout out, uh, which was a nice a nice little first for us. And that was to two brothers who've been listening to the podcast together and enjoying it a lot. And that's Adam and Dean. I uh, got a nice message from Dean just the other day. So uh, thanks, Adam and Dean. Hope you're continuing to enjoy the podcast. So just a couple bits of quick trivia before we do get into the uh, the meat of the episode. So from this episode onwards, we see Trigger in every single episode, which is a sight for sore eyes. I, I'm, I was well happy to read that. Yeah, it's fun. I read that too, and I... We've often said there are there are big gaps sometimes with Trigger where you don't see him. As I have Roger Lloyd Pack with just these little moments, little vignettes in every single episode is just great. They're always brilliant, and uh, I, I enjoyed his little little moment in this episode. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's so nice knowing he's always going to be there. It's almost now like a consistent cameo, isn't it? Absolutely. Always need a touch of Trigger. So one of the things the research led me on to, which I hadn't ever seen before, was the airing dates of the episode in, in terms of like the reruns, as it were. And I was found it quite interesting. So it was rerun and reshown in 1990, 1992, 1994. So a couple of years apart. Again, we get into three-year breaks, 97, 2001, 2003. And then we get a huge gap, and it wasn't played then for eight years and then the next one was 2011. So there were eight years where the BBC didn't show it at all. And then twice in 2012 and twice in 2013. Weird. I'm assuming that must have something to do with um, UK TV, um, like gold and stuff kind of taking over the, the mantle of Only Fools reruns around that kind of time on on digital. Oh. You see, so although, although maybe it wasn't being rerun on terrestrial TV... I'm sure to, sure it was regularly available, and maybe the rights even were at that time owned by uh, by UK TV. Ah, which is why it hasn't been now shown for 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 seven years. That, that would make sense, and it's all on demand now, essentially, isn't it? If you're in the UK, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see the UK TV uh, regularly rerun all the specials and things every uh, every now and then. Um, there, w- there was one other piece of uh, trivia I discovered about this episode. Now, I would have loved to have confirmed this, um, but sadly, uh, I-, I do not have a direct line to Mr. John Chalice. But it w- I saw it written on the internet that this was apparently his favourite episode. 
Yeah, I read that as well, which, sorry, John, but it's a poor choice. <laughs> it's a surprising choice. He's not in it that much, and it's not, yeah, it's, it's not like a most memorable episode, so I, I'd be so curious to find out if that was true and why. There must be there must be more to it, I'm thinking. So, uh, interesting. If you're listening, <laughs> drop us an email. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into the episode. It is the final regular series of Only Fools and Horses, Series 7, Episode 1, Sky's the Limit. Stick up on I'll fetch the suitcase from Scene one, and we are, as often, more than not, in the Trotter's flat. And we've got a nice little sing-song coming from Albert. Down and boogie, all you could do is step back and die. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's... I found it very weird what he was singing. He was singing, and I had to um, Google it, because he was clearly just singing a pop song, it sounded like, but I didn't recognise it. It is... Step Back in Time by Kylie Minogue. Oh, wow. In it, I did not expect that. Choice. I, I just assumed it was a really old... It was number one at the time. It seems very odd, given we know his opinions on Eric Clapton, for example, from just a few episodes back. But, yeah, apparently Albert's a Kylie fan. It clearly isn't the uh, outro music, then, because I didn't have a Scooby. <laughs> I, I was really curious what it was because it sounded like it was a modern song, so I was trying to desperately get enough words together that I could Google the lyrics and, and find out what it was. <laughs> but uh, the camera goes on to Dell, and he's on the grapefruit. He is continuing that health kick, and Albert drops a, a fairly good line that I've definitely used in, in my vernacular before, which is, do you want something healthy or something nice? And Dell seems to think that he can have Albert cook a fry up and eat it without Raquel twigging. Yeah, that's going to be some speed eating. You know, he probably won't even taste it, but maybe he'll enjoy it nonetheless. We get a bit of exposition here, basically pointing out that Rodney's in the same position we left him in a week ago and still a pretty sorry state. And we do get a, 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 an interesting bit here. It's quite good for the, the comedy side of things and how it's written, but I don't really understand sort of contextually how it works but Dell's got a big problem uh, telling Albert that him and Raquel are now sharing a room and I don't understand why it's a problem for him but it, it does make it pretty funny and we get a really great bit of physical tea spilling comedy which uh, brings me way back to the first episode when oh, they certainly school. made good use of it yeah yeah it's it, it's really good fun how Albert isn't making it any easier for Dell, and uh, just trying to make it really awkward. But then he does uh, do an absolute godly thing here by handing over his already made fry up to Dell, so Dell can quickly chuck it down himself before uh, Raquel comes out. My note verbatim says Albert absolute, which you just said ledge, gives Dell his fry up. <laughs> it seems like uh, everyone's in a pretty chirpy mood. I mean. That is that is a sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, what a nice thing to do. I mean, you've got. I mean, he literally has nothing else to do all day. Don't get me wrong, but there is no way in my life I've ever made a fry up, sat down to eating it, and then handed it over to someone else and started again. That that's never happening. 
But yeah, I, I did really enjoy this opening. We, we're getting a load of laughs on this, and it feels really sort of like non-stop laughter, which it feels a far cry from the last episode. And right on cue, Rodney walks in, looking like death warmed up, and turns out he's looking to pull a sickie because he's been out on the lash again. Yeah, he's been uh, really letting the side down. I don't know how he thinks he's going to keep continue to get away with it, but he's asked Albert to call in for him, which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Who's a grown man asks someone else to call in sick for them? It's just Rodney being childlike again. It just fits perfectly into that him being a child thing that we still haven't let go of. He, unless he's in a coma, he should be making this phone call himself. <laughs> And putting a really stupid voice on like you did at school. <laughs> oh, I can't come into school today. <laughs> but Albert does call in for him, but uh, Rodney isn't particularly happy with the job he does of it. Yeah, all right, dear. Bye. All right? All right? What do you mean, all right? What'd you tell her I had a bellyache for? Well, that's what you got, in it? No, it is not. You said you had an ache. I have. In your belly? Yes. Albert is definitely on form of this episode day. There's um there's a bit where I think where he says, Who are you? And and Rodney sort of gets a bit uppity and, and sort of tells him exactly who he is. What do you mean who is he? Who are you? <laughs> Cheeky cow, you tell her I'm tell her I'm the head, the heads of the computer section. He's the head. He's the head of the computer section. <laughs> And there's a great thing on this phone call where uh, Albert says he's egg-bound. You ever heard that expression before? <laughs> no, I hadn't. Uh, I did I look looked into, into it, though. Oh, you did as well? Yeah. Oh, I, was, I was really curious. So uh, anyone who doesn't know, which is probably most of the, the population, um, egg-bound is when an egg is stuck in a hen, basically, in her overduct. So... Yeah, I'm not sure what the expression then carries on from there, but that is what eggbound is. Yeah, I don't know if there's meant to be like a literal translation to like a slang where you would use that to describe a a condition a human may have, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably uh, insinuating towards diarrhea or something like that, which is the same thing that comes up moments later when he says, uh, "What have you got? The two bob bits," which is obviously a slang for the shits. So I think it's all basically. Stomach belly ache, as uh, as Alba says. Yeah, it's all generally in that area. Anyway, we move on now to um, Boise's mansion. Let's let's call it what it is. <laughs> it's called a spade a spade, and he is outside messing around with an absolutely monstrotitous five foot diameter satellite dish. I mean, the satellite dish is one thing, but I completely—I can't believe that you've completely missed out his dressing gown that he's in. He's in a pinstripe, long, Mr. Burns-style dressing gown, which is only topped by Marlene and Tyler, who come out in a matching Cruella de Vil Dalmatian-style get-up. I, I couldn't even see the satellite through these bloody costumes. <laughs> well, I, I did notice Marlene, Marlene's outfit, but Boise's, it almost just kind of faded into the background of exactly what I'd expect to see. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> Boise's hanging at his mansion, messing around with his massive satellite dish. So, of course, he's wearing a, a pinstripe dressing gown. That's just... Not even news. Where Mar, I must admit, yeah, Marlene's matching Dalmatian outfit with, with Tyler was pretty great. And by great, I mean terrible. 
Uh, so Boise is trying to pirate European porn. Scandinavian, specifically. Scandinavian porn to flog to the pervos, so they say. And, uh, yeah, he's he's clearly, you know, he's getting in before the likes of Red Tube. I mean, he's, he's pioneering something here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so large. I just, I can't, I, do, this is a weird thing. Do people even have satellite dishes still in England? Is that a thing? You still need a, da- a, a satellite dish to get Sky, right? You do get them through a lot through the broadband. So one of the Sky packages is uh, is done through broadband, I believe. But I still think that some of them exist through satellite. I think it's all legacy and still exists, but I think it's all through internet now. Yeah, so, uh, just the whole idea of a satellite dish now seems like quite old tech. Um, mm. And to see one just so large, it's, it's uh, really quite funny. One of the bits of this scene that I really enjoyed the most is there's a bit here which just has to be improv. Uh, when uh, Boise wanders away and Tyler starts pointing at him and there's... Uh, and so, Sue Holdness is definitely just a little improv going, yeah, he's silly, isn't he? Like, he's a silly man. And it's a very little cute scene between uh, her and Tyler that I really liked. And, yeah, Boise is... He's, he's a little prick, really. Let's, as you said, call a spade a spade. There's uh, a guy who is doing some work for him. I, I have actually forgotten his name. Bronco. And Bronco, that's it. And we, we find out it's it's Marlene's sister. Brother. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Good guy. Just because he's a tightwad gives him some cock and bull story about the shoddy workmanship, which moments later we find out it's actually quite good, just so he doesn't have to pay him. What a bloody arsehole. The, the rich are rich for a reason. It's because they hold on tight to their money. Uh, it's, yeah, it's exactly I think we'd expect to see from Boise. This this character, Bronco, was a very odd one. So It's a, a guy called Ron Aldridge is playing him, and he was one of those that had one of these very, very small IMDb pages. But I was actually able to find out why. It's because uh, he's actually more of a, a theatre director and a playwright than uh, than an actor. I think that was more of a kind of a short phase he did. So uh, sort of in the in the area, but that, that that's one of the few times I was able to find out how someone made a living despite having the world's shortest IMDb page. <laughs> but... You've got to feel a bit sorry for Bronco. He's a troubled soul, isn't he? Yeah, he's got no electric in his house. His daughter's broken his, broken his arm. I think he's having Barney's with his missus. He's had to move house. Like He's having an absolute nightmare. And just on top of it, Boise's giving him a middle finger. Yeah, it's, it's a full-on sob story. But, and it's one of those where you feel for him, but he also comes across as a bit of a muppet as well. I'm not sure if you're meant to feel full-on sorry for him. Or if you meant to think that he's just kind of one of those guys that all these things kind of happens to because he's a bit of a liability. I'm, I'm not really sure. So Dell turns up. We get a little exchange between Dell and Bronco. This, it does drag a little bit, but we do find out that most of it is pretty relevant later, but it kind of lost me. Um, but after Bronco leaves, Dell heads towards the door. And I don't know if you noticed this, but this is a absolutely brilliant old school moment like great slapstick nod to like you know proper old school comedy and Dell rings the doorbell and 
Boise living in a mansion. He has two doors, and the doorbell is on the right-hand side, and Dell is standing in, in front of the right-hand door. And he rings the doorbell, and in like a cartoon fashion, Boise opens the left door, and there's no one there, and Dell's just sitting there. And for me, I laughed out loud so hard and pissed myself. Thought it was brilliant. And there was not even a chuckle in the audience, not even a, not even a cough or nothing. I couldn't believe it. I rewound it and watched it twice more just to laugh at how funny it was. I couldn't believe that not a single audience member picked up on it. I'm gonna have to watch this because I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't believe you missed it. I thought it was possibly the funniest moment in the episode. Yeah, I don't know. That's not how I read that situation at all. I kind of read it that the thing that was kind of funny was he opened the door expecting it to be Bronco and was like ready for a fight and then was almost relieved to just see kind of Dell chill in there. But I, I do kind of see what you mean. I think you slightly oversell it, but I hope people do have a look. No way. It properly, properly made me laugh. But the fact that no one laughs at that moment, it was almost awkward because I was the only person in the room laughing. How many people were in the room with you? <laughs> well, you know, the the larger room, as it were. The faux room. Because if you are the best, but you don't ask questions, then brother, I'm your man. So we've rejoined in the nag set. Albert is, once again, tickling the ivories, having a little sing-song while Trigger and Mike have a, a chinwag over the bar. Yeah, and and just in terms of Albert's playing, i got to be honest, it, every time I see it, I really love it. And I can't help but feel it's really a bit of a lost generation these days. Like, as if, I mean, if you walk into a pub now and there's someone playing the piano, they're probably going to be playing, like, I don't know, Drake or whatever kids <laughs> listen to. No one's ever played Drake on the piano. <laughs> Well, you know, people do weird stuff. But either way, Mike regales us of the story of these three reprobates who were in last night getting sozzled. And uh, apparently they were prattling around pretending to be Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Which is actually quite funny. <laughs> Mike is a proper supergrass here. First he grasses up Rodney saying that in front of Alan, that he was out on the lash last night, despite the fact that he's called in sick. And then later on, when Del Boy uh, gets a phone call from Bronco, who he claims is a important business associate, Mike then goes, yeah, hurry up, mate, I think he's had a skinful. It's like, Mike, come <laughs> on, man, you're just absolutely grassing up everyone. Yeah, that that's not a great landlord trait. No, mum is not the word with Mike. <laughs> So Dale gets a phone call at the bar and walks away from the rest just to the other side and Trigger starts to go on this amazing monologue story so much so that Dale is not really paying attention to his phone call and you can kind of see him in the background kind of turning around and then he sort of gets a sly comment in and he's clearly paying no attention to what's going on in the phone call but wants to know how Trigger's story is going to end. Yeah, this is a story, interestingly, about a woman who I've dubbed New Broom Linda. <laughs> and, uh, That's so fucking lame. I can't <laughs> believe that I laughed at that. <laughs> well, that should have been a clang. <laughs> well, the thing that was weird about it is he specifically says he knew this woman because she's the one you went to see when you need a new broom. However, 
Thanks for explaining how you branded her new broom, Linda. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Famously, Trigger only ever had one broom. Well, yeah, but he needed to get a new handle or a new head, didn't he? True. So maybe, but maybe he did that. But I just found it funny that he said, "This is the woman you went to see for a new broom," and then later on, adamantly and explicitly points out that he's never had a new broom. But does he say that he goes to see her? He just says, "You go to see her," as in. People go to see her. Well, yeah, I mean, he started. It is. It is insinuated that this is why he started con- conversing with this woman. Right. Okay. And how does it end? I can't even remember how it ends. <laughs> well, all you need to know about the ending is it was so dull that Alan, who now apparently is teetotal and hasn't drunk in at least six, <laughs> well, apparently for around six months, because that's the last time we saw him, and he was drinking then, but is now a teetotaler, goes and orders a large scotch. Perfect. So back in the Trotter's flat and Rodney is in a mood again because Alan's trying to get him to pick up Cassandra from the airport and it does kind of feel like this and some subsequent episodes and previous episodes that basically everyone is trying to help put these two back together because they're clearly incapable of doing themselves. Yeah, they need all the help they can get, let's be honest. But Raquel, again, is just the perfect example of resolve because Rodney has a pop at her out of nowhere and she literally just blanks it. And then moments later, once he's gone away, she, like, sympathises with him and sort of said, oh, no, he's in a hard place. Like, what a hero. Pitying him is probably more accurate. Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) But she completely rises above the fact that Rodney's being a class A dick and just (laughs) continues, continues to be a bit of a hero. Yeah, she's very, very patient with him. I mean, I think she's very patient in general. I mean, she talked earlier in the uh, in the scene about uh, the fact she seems to spend all her time cleaning and genuinely seems to wonder how the hell they manage without her. Which is not wrong. I think both Grandad and Albert didn't do too much cleaning. Certainly did a bit of raiding the, the alcohol cabinet. Yeah, large brandy in one hand and a feather duster in the other does not a cleaner make. <laughs> we get an absolutely great little bit here. Uh, Raquel answers the door only to discover Boise and this is a thing that hadn't really been has never been mentioned before and I don't really recall it coming up much again but apparently there is some massive animosity between these two they are not (laughs) friends and their banter is brilliant yeah I love the fact that Raquel is good and as proper as she is is so equal to him and can give him as much shit as he gives her and it, and it completely can see when he does when he when Raquel does finally give it back to him and properly gives him an fu the look on Boise's face is brilliant uh goodbye Raquel glad to see you've settled in so well is your son about 11 years old with a mohican haircut good god no well who's that sitting in your mercedes hope he falls down the stairs. <laughs> he's, he's almost impressed, while also a bit annoyed. But I, I think he, I think he's enjoying the battle. Like he's he's being hot, he's being incredibly rude and obnoxious. But it's almost uh, I don't know. There's almost like an element of respect to it. It is banter, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a, there's a, a respect that comes with it. I think to think that he does it because I, he knows she can take it. So Boise tells us that his 2K high-tech satellite has been nicked 
and he's looking to offer a mere three to five hundred pounds payback if Dell can somehow come across it. So now Boyce's left. Dell has a little heart to heart with Rodney and uh, gives him what he thinks is a little marriage saving idea of basically just a romantic evening in a hotel. It's simple, but could be very effective. And we get a little French phrase. They have been reasonably absent from the pod over the last few weeks because some of them have been a bit run-of-the-mill, but this one really caught my eye because it was quite an embellished French phrase, which I'm going to attempt to say it, and I've looked at it now for a minute, and I don't think it's going to help. But it's quite a hard one. Uh, Revenons à nos mutants, I think, is what it says. And uh, I had to look it up, and it is brilliant. And while it literally means, let's get back to our sheep, um, nice. it actually translates in English to in English to the less exciting expression, uh, let's get back to the matter at hand, basically, or let's get to the point. Um, but I did love the idea that it, it, it initially spanned from let's get back to our sheep, which is quite funny. Nice. Good French trivia. It's been a while. Mm. So it turns out Rodney isn't short of a few quid, thanks to his uh, new job. Uh, so he's bang up for this idea of a of a nice romantic evening away, and even says to Dell he could pop him a few quid if he was uh, a little low. But Dell doesn't need it. Because they're with them on the balcony where they're having their little heart-to-heart. Hidden behind Rodney out of shot has been a massive five-foot-in-diameter satellite dish. So next scene is in the hotel and Rodney's got the full works. He's got the nicest suite, which isn't that nice, but that's <laughs> fine. Bang average hotel room, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just looks like a travel lodge. He's got a nice bottle of champagne, which is setting him back a cool 70 quid, was it? some inordinate amount of money Something for a bottle like of that, champagne yeah. and yeah there's not too much just to say about this scene really there's a <laughs> it's a very odd scene isn't it it's weird it's, it's just kind of set it up a little bit that the bellboy is uh really surprised that rodney's doing all this for his wife and not for some bit on the side which i think is probably the one of the biggest parts of the comedy but also that dell's requested all these nice things and rodney thinks that He's paid for them, but actually he's done it out for himself. So, But it was a super quick scene. We don't get sort of quick location scenes like that very often. But I imagine it was very cheap and easy to do. It was an odd scene. The whole the whole thing kind of stood out a bit like a sore thumb. I kind of left it feeling like there should have been more to talk about, but wasn't. But basically the whole idea has gone up in smoke because the airports are in absolute chaos and Cassandra's flight has been rerouted to Manchester. So this whole idea of a, a romantic evening at a hotel adjacent to the airport has come to naught. So we leave the hotel with Rodney very unamused about his situation and we rejoin him in the Nag Z having a rant to Raquel about how much he spent on this thoroughly unsuccessful evening. Yeah, he's gone from absolutely fine and seemingly loving life again to having an absolute fit because he spent a hundred quid, or sorry, a couple of hundred quid. Maybe yeah. 250 quid. But, you know, what did you expect? Which, from our previous calculations, for those who haven't been around for that, uh, is probably nigh on 800 at this point. Do you know what's funny? One of the things that I thought about for no reason whatsoever whilst driving the other day which happens every now and then is the inflation calculator that we did 
was from what series two we're quite far down the line now it's probably well out of whack now well i did just randomly make up a number there where normally it was three times and i've just done three and a bit to make myself feel better you've over egged it yeah to to make up for the fact that it's no longer the 80s this is now the 90s so it should be another percentage or no so. it should be less it should be less no it's... Mm. yeah well done uh, illegal move <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. What year is it? 1989. Are you rabbit-holing mid-pod? Yeah, I am. $626 is 250 quid. Just over two and a half times. Two and a half times. Yeah, so that's our latest update on the inflation calculator. (laughs) But Albert strolls in and has basically caused a right ruckus in regards to the hotel and loads of different crosswires going on. But essentially, Cassandra is now under the impression that Rodney has a hotel that isn't for her and is all a bit secretive. So, yeah, it, it, it's a bit messy. Yeah, I wasn't sure I really, I really liked this whole bit. It was Rodney's reaction is really funny and... Uh the way that Albert doesn't really get what has happened. But I couldn't help just thinking, surely any vaguely intelligent person is going to put these two and two together very quickly and not think that Rodney's having an affair with an apparent other person he's called Mrs. Trotter, but was actually hoping to meet her because that's the airport she was meant to be landing at. Like like he wouldn't have arranged an affair at a hotel next to the airport where she was meant to be arriving. That's mental. This is something that does really annoy me about this whole plot. It's It's been dragging on now for a little while and it still continues at least into the next episode and at least 50% of all of that is... You always have to suspend disbelief for so much of it. And it's just... I don't know, I don't want to be like a hippie or anything, but it's just a negative vibe. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's just that so much comedy could be drawn from so many other things to continue this, this, uh, this over so many episodes. I just, I I just kind of wish it wasn't, and that the this sort of disbelief parts and the the coincident the coincidences or the lack of it or whatever you want to call it. uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I do struggle with it a bit, like. Mm. I wish this had only lasted for an episode and and didn't continue because it it feels like so much of the ground is retrodden and rehashed, and it feels like we're we're caught in this circle, and they they'll always write funnies into it, but it just the 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 plot in terms of the larger plot of Only Fools could have really continued or progressed a lot more if we didn't hold on to this. Yeah, I completely agree. The whole thing seemed a little bit like the types of um, predicaments and issues you would maybe have in a single episode of an American uh, sitcom or maybe for the first time you start a new relationship. But the whole idea that these people have known each other for a couple of years, they've been married, and yet one little silly misunderstanding would lead to them not talking anymore. It's just so, like you say, it's unbelievable that everything that happens can literally be explained in... Well, I would, in modern terms, a text message. But back then, you mm. know, a letter or a note <laughs> under the door, you go, I know this looks suspicious, but this is why it isn't. 
and it's so yeah. easily and here's, sold. Here's five witnesses yeah. to tell you. I mean, don't even listen to me. Here's Dell or Albert or Raquel who will all tell you exactly that. In fact, I won't even tell you. One of them can tell you. Done. Yeah, Signed, sealed, one, delivered. One phone call from Raquel to Cassandra uh, with any of these misunderstandings, it's it's over in a second. So yeah, I don't I don't disagree. We haven't actually seen them in the same room as each other yet, have they? They've not shared Correct. any screen time. No, they have not. I, I'm not sure if they've even met as far as we're we're to believe. Like, I'm not sure if they've ever really mentioned that they all hooked up together. But I'm pretty sure they talk as if they have. They, they seem to be aware of each other, but no more. Yeah. I mean, there's quite an age gap between them, so there's no reason they should be instant close friends. I mean, there's there's 15 years between well, them. Well, just the fact they're basically sisters-in-law, but yeah, apart from Well, that. sure, sure, but it's not like... With although of course Raquel is a decent amount younger than Dell, so I'm not entirely sure what the age gap is. It may be as little as ten years, but it's not like with many uh, in-laws where you're naturally very close in age and have and the and the maybe the siblings are very similar, so you're naturally going to get on very well. I feel like Dell and Rodney are incredibly different people that have led incredibly different lives and are quite a, a big age gap apart. So it it would make sense that Cassandra. And Raquel wouldn't just instantly happen to be friends just because they're both women dating trotters. That there's not much of a basis of a friendship. Just expected them to have met. But <laughs> yeah, that, unfortunately, not an unreasonable expectation. Rodney being in turmoil with uh, his whole relationship is obviously restricting that. But anyway, as the scene draws to a close, Boise walks in and explains that his aerial is indeed back, which means that the one that Dell has got sat on his balcony is not Boise's. So not only has Dale lost out on three to 500 quid, but also there's a little bit of a question about where the bloody hell it came from. That's where it all comes from, there's a mystery. It's like the changing of the seasons and the tides of the sea. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a really good little moment of confusion because we've seen the aerial. It looked the same as Boise's. Where else could it possibly be from? And we get back to the flat to to find out. There's a really crazy scene, a little parlor guessing game here, as Dell tries to remember the hotel that Bronco is staying at because it's Bronco that's got this satellite for him. They are meant to be guessing a French painter, and after many many attempts, kind of too many for it to be interesting, Albert eventually comes out with Schubert, who he knows is an Austrian composer, we find out. Yet he suggests him anyway. Now, I would love an explanation as to what the hell was going on here, because I love the way that Albert gets corrected, and then he corrects the correction. I think it's brilliant, because it's like, no, Albert's not stupid. He knew exactly what he was doing, but does he? was that just him knowing Dell's stupid? Is that what that is? You kind of felt like this was going to be explained, like it was going to come out yeah. that Albert took a phone call or something, but it never is. No, he just left. Just, just, Albert just knew that it was Schubert, not even any, the same profession or nationality, but somehow managed to nail it. Like, what is going on in the writing there, and how is it not dre- addressed again? It's a very, very odd little scene. The thing that makes it even worse is, like, Albert is basically, like cocky smirking grin that he's got it right <laughs> I feel like it would have been nice if he knew there was a hotel called that or he was just had said something like 
I knew Dell wouldn't know a French composer from an Austrian, a French artist from an Austrian composer. So I was just naming random European artistic figures or, or something to give us some context because he comes away from it looking quite clever, but we don't really understand his working. So it's a bit weird. You're not really sure what's going on. No. Anyway. And we have to suspend disbelief a little bit here again, because right on cue as this sort of comes to a close and at the exact moment they realise, at the exact moment that Dell is unsure of the satellite's origin because Bronco won't tell him, as if by magic a news broadcast comes on showing a picture of the satellite, just in case we weren't sure that it was the same one, and saying that it's been stolen from Gatwick Airport. I mean, it, it's cleverly put together in as much as seeds were laid, seeds were sown that Bronco lives at Gatwick Airport, and it could easily look like a a satellite that would be used by an airport. And actually, if you go back and compare the two satellites, Boise's and the one on the balcony, they are different, notably different. Actually, <laughs> you say you say if you go back as if. Loads of people have done that, but you mean I went back and checked yes. and they were different. <laughs> I went back I was surprised they bothered to make them different. I would have expected them to have used the same prop twice. I just assumed it was the same prop. Yeah, I no, it no... isn't. It, it's interestingly not. And there's they're different enough that there's probably one mentally eagle eyed person who recognised it when they first saw on the balcony and was like, Wait a minute, but that's not the same one. Is it not it's the same prop redressed though? It's not an entirely new prop. No, yeah, okay, it'll be redressed, but it um, they they it is notably dressed differently. It is Right. Okay, yeah, if you yeah, put the cool. two next to each other, they are the same size, however there are colours and attachments that are different. But anyway, there is then this ridiculous scene, which I can't just say and then give my opinion afterwards. I'm gonna give my opinion as I describe it. I hate this moment. I loved it. There is a moment where a plane turns and starts heading directly towards the flat and them and the satellite. And we get our closing line. That's why she's stuck up there instead of being in my honeymoon bed. That is why my marriage is all but bloody over. No, it's not. you know. Haven't you ever made a mistake? I mean, you thought it was a satellite aerial dish and all, didn't you? Don't you include you, me in no, this? Look, oh, listen, come, look, I'll show it to you. It looks like one, doesn't it? Look, just come and have a... Look, there it is, look. Don't, all right, all right, don't worry, look. I'll, I'll take it back first thing in the morning. And then I... I actually loved it, and I, but I think I loved it for probably the wrong reasons. I didn't, at this point, I completely didn't think about the story arc or the likely, likelihood of it actually happening. I was just super impressed at the special effect. <laughs> this, is, this is essentially, as far as I know and can remember, the only and or first special effect that we've had in any Fools and Horses. And I did not expect it to look anywhere near as good as that. I knew it was coming, but I hadn't looked at it in a critical eye in ages. And the fact that it looked as though there was actually a plane actually turning in the sky with like a London backdrop coming into them, I was well impressed. I was expecting a really terrible, cheesy cardboard cutout to be turning in the sky. Fair play, 
Only Fools and Horses. That was like you nailed your first special effect. Believable in the story or not, it looked great. <laughs> I and this, there is going to be a couple more episodes that have this problem that we haven't come across yet. I hate these kind of endings in any these this for me is the type of ending that belongs in a cartoon where time and though and and life and death rules don't really apply because this makes no sense it would never come up again a plane was heading towards the building but then because we cut to credits we're allowed to just forget about it and everyone move on and everything was apparently fine it's I mean they know where the the, the authorities know where the satellite was because this plane can apparently track it because it nearly crashed into it like what happened did the plane turn at the last minute and then everyone just then got on with their lives i just well, the plane the plane doesn't head straight towards the building the satellite is merely giving it some sort of telemetry or whatever the planes obviously don't go straight towards the satellites it would go beyond the satellite towards the runway so it's never actually just crashing the building behind it yeah, essentially, <laughs> that is what it would be crashing in the building beside it. I just potentially. I know it like makes like good drama to have like a shouting close, but I just hate these silly cartoon endings that are just not really explained, don't really make any sense, and it just it, it all seems a bit self indulgent for the special effect, and I'm not I'm not a fan. I I I wasn't a huge fan of this episode generally. I thought it was a very average episode and it really doesn't help that I think the close is rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I didn't love the episode. Uh I I don't love the fact that this Rodney Cassandra thing is continuing. It feels regurgitated and and reused and it, I just think the series is a lot better than that. I did love that little CG ending because I just, it did feel like uh, <clears throat> sometimes only falls steps out of the reality of itself. And we mentioned it a couple of times in previous series and it's a very thin line. And I think it, it comes down to sort of personal preference on, mm. on each time that they do it, what you like and what you don't. For me on that, yeah, it was massively unbelievable that, that that would happen. But actually, it was just a really light-hearted and funny thing, and I didn't take any of it seriously at all. So it, it didn't bother me nearly nearly as much as... Uh, it bothered me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But aside from that, it felt really relaxed. That We still haven't got any big schemes going on, you know, in, in terms of some of the earlier episodes of, of Only Fools. Um, we're setting in more groundwork for that whole family dynamic and there were some really good laughs it wasn't a bad episode my notes actually speak more highly of it than what my perception is now (laughs) and sometimes sometimes that happens because I'm reading this and it says like oh it was a pretty solid episode but I didn't actually like it that much so I don't know what what I was thinking. I just think that, the, that it was a very jokey episode. Although, although I loved none of the content of the episode, I didn't like the Rodney and Sandra. I didn't like a lot about it. I laughed a lot because the small jokes and and moments of comedy within it carried it all, and they were very funny. So there were a lot more sort of laughs per minute on this episode. Yeah, good, good gags, average plot, below average plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it. It's a shame. I think it's one of the first uh, 
kind of more negative ones we've had for a while and i think obviously that makes sense as we go into these uh, into a series like most series have a dog or two in there and then a couple of two absolute shining stars and then a couple straight down the middle and i think this is I mean, this isn't really even opening the series because it came straight after Rodney Come Home. So I guess that kind of took the pressure off this episode, um, probably when it was when it was released. I have it down as a bog standard episode. It well, it probably is a little bit less than the middle, but it it's certainly in the area of the middle. It wasn't terrible, but it 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 certainly didn't dazzle me. It didn't have any characters in it I didn't like, which was always good, which was always used to be a the beacon of a bad episode is if it had like a a, a Heather or a what the hell's her name Pauline a Heather or a Pauline or or um Miss McKay Irene McKay there we go Irene another McKay. one yeah it, it it didn't have an unlikable character in it or or not particularly well done character or anything like that I was just a very meh but yeah like you say good good jokes plenty of laughs and uh yeah, we we move on. So, looking forward towards next episode. Next episode we have is what, Bob? The next episode is chance of a lunchtime. Is that chance of a lunchtime? I believe so. Are you are you questioning yeah. my uh, specific wording? Are you? Yeah. Well, you you have definitely fucked it up a couple of times. It could be the chance of a lifetime. Lifetime now. Lunchtime. Lunchtime. Fuck. <laughs> It's just the chance of a lunchtime. It is the chance of a lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. Could, it could have been a, which the, makes no or sense. Neither of the above, but yes, <laughs> the chance, of, a chance, the chance, the chance. Some kind of chance of a lunchtime. I feel like what, it should be uh, a chance. You... Anyway, no. we'll get into that on that episode. <laughs> yeah. Anything you remember about this episode? I think a bit like this one. This is a one that's a bit of a. A bit of a blank one. Couldn't really storyboard it. It's, uh, I think it's really in the same vein as this one. I didn't remember much about it, um, but I did look at the synopsis and was quite annoyed to hear that the whole uh, Rodney and Cassandra thing is is continuing on. (laughs) Very much ongoing. Yeah, I'm going to be, I think this is going to be a critical one and I'm a bit bit concerned about it because I hate criticising Only Fools, but... Doesn't bode well. So that's next week. There's only one more thing to do this week, and that's our outro music. What have you got for me, Jamie? I'm really happy to be moving away from some of the really predictable stuff or the the great tunes within the episodes, which certainly have worked quite well in the specials. But uh, there's a really subtle joke that came on quite early in the episode that I did find quite funny where Rodney mentions Back in the USSR, which is a stunning song by the Beatles back in the day. So we're going to listen to the Beatles Back in the USSR. Nice. Uh, This is the Beatles' first appearance, I believe. Yeah, I don't think we've had the Beatles in here before, but I do love the Beatles, so... Yeah, we did did a little soundbite of um, the Bananarama help from Jolly Boys, of course, but uh, the first true... Beatles feature. Just in case we have any like hardcore fans there that that hasn't necessarily messaged us yet, but if anyone wants to create a Spotify playlist with all of our outro music, 
uh, be my guest. Otherwise, I'm probably going to do it. But <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to have that labour taken away. So um, someone be my guest. That would be cool if someone put that together. Very nice. Yeah, it's going to be me, isn't it? Probably. It certainly isn't going to be me. We know that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us as always, guys. Much appreciated. Cheers, Bob. Pleasure as always, Jay. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash Only Fools Brothers, or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also, really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.